Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to attempt to answer some questions for us. So number one, I'm going to try to answer the question, what is worship? What is worship? Very basic, right? Number two, I'm going to try to answer, how do we express our worship? Number three, why do we worship? And number four, what happens when we worship? So tonight, I'm just going to go over two of the questions, and we're just going to dive right in and start with number one. So number one, let's talk about what is worship? What is worship? Well, let me start off right off the bat by telling you, first of all, what worship is not. Now, it might come as a surprise coming from me, since I am a music minister, but worship is not a type of music. (gasps) I said it. Number one, worship is not a type of music. You see, if worship is only music, then that means that we get to decide whether or not we will engage in worship based on our own preferences and our mood. If a song doesn't express my preferred style or reflect my current mood, then I don't have to like it and I don't have to participate in it. You see where the problem is in that? You see, if worship is music, then that means we can market it to man and then man becomes a spectator or a consumer of worship. And in that, basically, what, I, what that's saying is that worship is not about God anymore. It's about us. And that's not the truth. Worship is for God. It's not for us. Did you know, actually, that not a single word for worship in the Greek or Hebrew has anything to do with music? In the Bible, the word worship in Greek and Hebrew, it has nothing to do with music. To me, that was really interesting. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be misunderstood or have lots of meetings after tonight. Um, but music, I'm not, music is a powerful tool and it's a vehicle or an expression of our worship. Okay. So I'm not saying music isn't important. It isn't powerful, but music in and of itself isn't worship. Music is just an expression of our worship. And honestly, I love to express my worship through music. I mean, I'm, I'm a music minister. I love music. I'm a singer. I love to sing. I love to express my worship through that. Did you know that music is actually one of the only art forms that engages all three parts of our created beings? All three parts, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Music engages all three of those things. We worship with all three parts, with our body, our soul, and our spirit. How, does, how do we do this? Music, number one, moves our bodies. Music moves our bodies. It inspires us to move, to sway, to dance. It quickens or slows the rhythms of our heart. We were even created with musical instruments inside our bodies. Our hands clap. Our feet can stomp as percussion. Our vocal cords work as both a wind and a string instrument. Although some are a little more in tune than others. We all have instruments, just the tuning is a little off on some, right? Our bodies were made to be musical. That's why music affects and engages our bodies. 
But music doesn't just engage our body. It doesn't just move our body. Music also moves our souls. Have you ever heard a song that made you cry? Have you ever, you know, listened to a song and every time it comes on, it just kind of makes your heart happy, just kind of lifts your mood? Of course we have, because music affects our souls. Music, it affects our emotions and our mind. It inspires pictures and thoughts and feelings. It can communicate a full range of emotion without a single word. That's one of the reasons I love music, because it moves our souls. So tonight, to kind of illustrate my point, I have my husband back there, and he's going to play a few songs for us. And I just want, to, want you to kind of see how music can move your soul. So play that first song. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. on the front row already. Uh-oh. I see some swaying going back there. That's your body. This, this song, it's called the happy song because it just kind of makes you happy, right? It brings some joy. It just, you can't, you, you can't hear that song without at least kind of feeling a little spark of joy, right? And if you can, then like we need to, you need some testing done or something, okay? Because that there's just something about it that gets your soul. It's it's up. It's happy. It affects your emotions. Now, other songs bring out different emotions. Play that next song, Sean. Uh-oh. song, honestly, especially if you were around in the 80s, it makes your soul feel fearful, okay? It brings some fear out because of it, it just, it's scary because you know, if you've seen the movie, that when that song comes on, the shark is coming. The shark is coming. You know what's funny? is that talking about how music moves our souls. If you were to watch movies with the sound without the soundtrack, honestly, most movies would be so cheesy. They would be so cheesy, cheesy. No matter how great the actors are, the music is what kind of brings us along. It brings our souls and our emotions along on this wonderful trip that we get to take when we watch a movie. If you took the, if you took the scary music out of Jaws, I mean, it would just be like a big fish that doesn't look real. Like it, it's nothing, but you add that soundtrack and it's a little scary. What about this? What's, what does this do? I could stay awake oh. just to hear you yes. Turn it up a little bit, guys. Watch you smile oh, yeah. while you are sleeping. So while you're far away dreaming. Can you fast forward it a bit to the to the chorus? We need the chorus on this one.
so, so romantic, so sweet. I don't want to close my eyes because I don't want to miss a thing, right? What about, what about this? Oh, get ready for this one. I don't know if your souls are ready for this one. can take your soul and move it from one place to another. So we've been happy. We've been scared. We've been in love. We've been in love, but kind of sad. And then one last one, one last, oh, Mm. yes. You ready for that 5k yet? Come on now. I mean, like this is the song, right? This is the song moves your soul to feel pumped up you're inspired you can take on the world right can you just see him like running up the steps yeah that's what i'm trying to tell you music is awesome it moves our souls but not only does music move our bodies and move our souls But number three, music also moves our spirits. It moves our spirits. It always has. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Saul was tormented? What did he do to calm his spirit? He called David to come and play him music. In 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, And so it was was whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Or what about when the kings of Israel and Judah called on Elisha to prophesy? How did he open his heart to hear the word of the Lord? In 2 Kings 3 and 15, it says, Elisha said, now bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. Our spirits were created to respond to music. What an amazing tool. What an incredible vehicle for worship. What a fulfilling expression of worship. But is music in itself worship? No, it's not. Okay then, Krista, what is worship? What is it? You know, truly defining worship is very difficult because number two, worship is both an attitude and an act. Worship is both an attitude and an act. In Matthew 15, 8 and 9, in the NIV version, it says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. The message version says this, These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. What scripture is saying here is that you can do as many deeds as you want, and you can go to as many church services as you want and not actually be worshiping. 
If it's all external and nothing is happening in our heart towards God, then that is not worship. You can have all the acts of worship down pat, but if your attitude is not right, it's not worship because worship is both attitude and act. It's in your heart and it's in what you do. Worship is an attitude that motivates every action of our lives. So when worship becomes the attitude of my heart, then I begin to see that motivate every action of my life. I'm going to repeat that one more time. So when worship becomes an attitude of my heart, then I begin to see that that attitude will motivate every action of my life. And that brings us to number three, what is worship? Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. It isn't simply an event or a place. It is a way of life. It's the result of our decisions to exalt God above everything else. It is the way we live when we realize and acknowledge that God is truly great and he's worthy of our praise. That's the way we live when we make that decision. In English, uh, the English word worship actually comes from an old English word, and it was worth-ship, worth-ship. And that actually means to give something worth, to attribute value to. So worship is basically showing or displaying the worth of God. And of course, we know that God's worth is infinite, right? Right? There, I mean, there is, there is no end to it. His worth is infinite. It's matchless. It's the greatest of worth. So I believe one of the ways that we could dev- define worship is valuing or treasuring God above all things. Worshiping is valuing or treasuring God above all things. So how do we live this lifestyle of worship? By valuing and treasuring God above all things. So one of the first steps to living a true lifestyle of worship, I believe, is submission. Submission. If we, if we want to live this lifestyle of worship, how do we do that? One of the steps is to submit. The definition of submit is this. Um, to accept or yield to superior force or to the will or authority of another person. To stop trying to fight or resist something. To stop trying to fight or resist something. If we really desire to worship God with our lives, then we got to stop trying to fight and resist his lordship. We got to stop fighting the fact that he is the Lord of our lives. We have to accept and yield to that authority. We have to submit. Now, I will be very vulnerable and honest with you today. That is not easy for me. It might be easy for you. I I have a strong personality. And I am very independent, strong-willed, maybe a little stubborn. (laughs) All of those things. And submission does not come naturally. It does not come easy to me. Probably in my life, I have been known to utter the words you are not the boss of me more than once for sure. Many a times out of my mouth has come, 
you are not the boss of me. Whether as a kid, I remember saying it to my older brother when he was trying to like boss me around or be my dad. And I would either tell him, number one, you're not my dad, but number two, you are not the boss of me. And then later in life, I'm sure probably maybe once or twice, I might have told Sean, maybe that you are not the boss of me. I don't know. Maybe you, but he did deserve it. He did. He did. Now, I don't think I've probably ever actually said those words to God. You are not the boss of me. But how many times has my life made that statement? God, you're not the boss of me. Maybe I didn't say the words, but the way I was living, my life was making that statement. How many times did my actions tell God, eh, you're not the boss of me. I'm the boss. So what does it look like to live a life submitted to God? Submitted to God. Romans 12.1 says this in the message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Wow, isn't that powerful? Another version of that same scripture says it like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. So what is he asking us to do? He wants us to take our lives and lay it at his feet. He wants us to take ourselves off of the throne of our lives. He wants us that we think we're the boss. He wants us to realize and submit that we are not the boss. Take ourselves off the throne of our lives and put him where he belongs. Put him where he belongs. I heard a quote that said, Whoever sits on the throne of your heart orders your life. Whoever sits on the throne of your heart orders your life. You know, as humans, we were actually created to worship. We were created to worship. There is a nature that is put inside of us that was designed to worship. There is a need for us to worship. There is this thing that that just longs to worship. The question really is not, will you worship? The question is, what will you worship? What will you worship? What are you putting on the throne of your heart? Is it your family? It doesn't have to be bad things. It can just be misplaced worship. You know, you don't have to worship the devil. It could just be that you're, you have misplaced worship. So what are you putting on the throne of your heart? Is it your family? Is it your work or your business? Is it money or material things? Is it relationships? Is it entertainment, TV, movies, social media? What is it that you are putting on the throne of your heart? Because the rest of your life will come in line with whatever and whoever you worship. Your life will come into alignment with whatever and whoever you worship. Now, some of you might be thinking, Christy, you're crazy. 
I do not worship anything or anyone but God. What, what are you talking about up there? These are, we're church people. We worship God. Okay, I, I hope so. But let me ask you a couple questions. Where is all your time spent? Where is all your time spent? Where is all of your attention directed? Here's a a semi-hard one. When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing you think about? What's the first thing you think about? Do you think, God, I love you? Or do you think, oh, I wonder what happened on Facebook last night while I was sleeping? You know? (laughs) Surely there was many important things that I missed. Those aren't easy questions to answer, but those are a reflection of our heart and what is on the throne of our heart. You see, worship is choosing to put God on the throne of our heart and submitting to him and letting the rest of our life come in alignment with him. In Romans 1.25, it says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. If we truly want to live a lifestyle of worship, we must submit our lives to him. Every single part, every single plan, we must stop worshiping the things that God created and start worshiping the creator. We need to put him back on the throne of our life. That is where he belongs. The second thing we need to do in order to live a lifestyle of worship is honor, to honor God. One of the Hebrew words that is sometimes translated as worship in the Bible, and I'm going to say it, but it might say it wrong, but it's abad, A-B-A-D, abad. And what that word means is bond servant, bond servant. So in Deuteronomy chapter 15, it's the verses 12 through 18, I'll let you guys read it on your own. I'm not going to read it tonight just for sake of time. But basically, I'll try to explain um, what this story is talking about or what this passage is talking about. Um, In those verses, it explains that when the Hebrews, uh, sometimes they would be, they would sell themselves to be, be a slave to someone or they would be slaves to people. And so when they had worked for their master for the full term, which I believe was six years, um, in the seventh year, that master would then release them from their servitude. And then that servant, that slave, had the choice whether or not they were going to go and be free and move on, or they could choose to stay with the master as what they called a bond servant. So they went from kind of being a slave to what was called a bond servant. Now, it's kind of weird, but it's like, why would somebody do that. You know, like you would think that they're free to go. So like, why would somebody choose to stay and serve the master as a bond servant? Well, if they had been serving that master for all those years, if he was a good master and he was kind and he loved them, 
they would choose to stay out of love and honor for that master. They would, cho- they would choose to stay. That, that I believe that we need to become abod worshipers, bond servants of Christ. And what do I mean by that? That we don't worship God out of religious requirements, that we don't serve God just because we don't want to go to hell. But we need to be worshipers that choose to serve him because he loves us and because he is a good master. He's the best master. We love him so much that there is nothing else we would rather do for the rest of our lives than serve and worship him with every part of our being. That is honor. That is how we honor God. You see, slaves serve their masters because they have to. They have to. If they don't, there's a constant negative repercussion if they disobey, if they step out of line. They must serve. It is their duty to serve. But a bond servant doesn't serve because he's forced. He does so out of love and honor. Out of love and honor. You see, we're free to go our own way. But when we choose to worship the master for the rest of our lives because we love him so much and because there's nothing else we would rather do and there's nowhere else we would rather be than in his house, that is worship. That is worship. You see, religion is motivated by fear and the sense that our identity and value is maintained through our work. But worship is always motivated by love and honor. Religion is motivated by fear of, I got to do this, I got to do that. No, no, no. But worship is motivated by love and by honor. We choose him. When we choose him, he gives us that choice. And when we choose him, that is worship. We must submit and honor God with our lives, with our hearts and with our actions. That is true worship. You see, worship cannot be compartmentalized. It's not just singing songs on Sunday morning. It's not just part of our life. It is our life. Worship is a lifestyle. But not only is worship a lifestyle, number four, worship is a sacrifice. Worship is a sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says it right there. Worship is a sacrifice. What do I know about sacrifice? I know it costs. Sacrifice is going to cost you something. It's going to cost us something. Maybe it's sacrificing our own plans and choosing God's plan. Maybe it's sacrificing our own comfort zone and following God into a new uncharted territory. Maybe it's sacrificing our time in spending in his, and using that time to spend in his presence. Imagine you have a friend, a male friend, and they come to you and they say, you know what? I just, I just do not understand my wife. I just, I don't get her. We celebrated our anniversary. I took her to eat. We went, we saw a movie and she's mad at me. She's mad at me. It's like nothing I ever do is good enough for her. I will just never please her. 
But then by a series of asking the right questions and kind of getting down to the bottom of the real story, you realize and you find out that he took her to a hot dog stand for dinner. And then he told her to pick out a movie on Netflix because he didn't want to spend too much money on the date because he was saving to get a new gadget for his mountain bike. Hopefully that doesn't hit too close to home to anybody in here. This really is not a personal story. I just threw the mountain bike thing in there just to, just to kind of give Sean a little dig, but really didn't happen. But imagine that it happened, right? So this guy, he's like, you know, she's mad at me. You really find out at the end of the day, you start to understand why the wife is a little upset, right? Maybe you even understand how she could question his love for her. Okay. Because the level of what was spent and the time that was given compared to the things that he wanted. So like the the level of stuff that he gave her compared to what he was doing for his own self revealed where his heart truly was. Okay. So when we are willing to offer our bodies and our lives as a sacrifice of worship, it reveals to God where our hearts really are. We're expressing to him, we're showing him, you know what? I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to sacrifice. I want you to know that my heart, it, it is with you. It shows him that we are valuing and treasuring him above all all else. And that is worship. That is worship. Worship is a sacrifice. It costs something from you. It's not always easy. It doesn't always feel good. It's not always what you want to do. But we sacrifice those things so that we can show the Lord where our heart is and our heart is to worship him. So what is worship? Number one, it's more than music and a song. Number two, it's an attitude and an act. They they go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. It's an attitude and an act. Number three, it's a lifestyle. And number four, it's a sacrifice. Honestly, I could go on for a long time tonight about what worship is. And the list that I've just given you, those four things, that is by no means a complete definition, okay? Like, there's so much to worship, and I'm, I'm sure I missed a lot of things, but this is basically, I just wanted to give us kind of a baseline to start from. Like, what is worship? This is our baseline. So now let's move on from what is worship to the next question. The second question I want to answer tonight is, how do we express our worship? How do we express our worship? Um, one of the ways we express our worship, number one, is through obedience. Through obedience. If worship is expressing our love to God, then one of the ways we can express that love is to obey him, right? In 1 John 5, 3, it says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. So every time we're obedient to the word of God, every time we obey when God asks us to do something, that is an expression of our worship. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he 
is the one who loves me. He is the one who loves me. John 14, 23 says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. You see, scripture states multiple times that if we love God, we will obey him. So one of the greatest ways that we can show the lo- our love to God, one of the greatest expressions of our worship is through obedience. Now, I know for me, I'm the kind of person who wants a little less talk and a lot more action. <laughs> All right. Got any little less talk, a lot more action people in the room. It's, it's, you know, you can talk, talk, talk all day. You, I don't want to hear the fluff. I don't want to hear all the flowery words and how wonderful and great and la la la. I want to see what you're going to do. What is your action? Talk is cheap. And I believe that, you know, God made me in his image. So he's probably a little that way himself, right? He wants a little less talk and a lot more action. He's like saying, don't just love me. Don't just sing the songs and raise your hands at all the right parts. He wants you to walk out of the worship service and actually go into the world and obey his commands. It does us no good if we are here on Sunday mornings. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We know how to play the game. We know what to do and what to say. But scripture says if we love God, we will obey him. It's not just about our talk. It's about our actions. Obedience is a great way to express our worship to God. Another one of the ways that we express our worship to God is number two, by using our gifts and talents. By using our gifts and talents. John 15, eight says this, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. You see, when we use the gifts that God has given us, it is an expression of worship. Isn't that cool? Um, I heard Rick Warren one time, he said, made a statement. And he said, worship is whatever you do that makes God smile. Worship is whatever you do that makes God smile. Now, what makes God smile? I, I think some people may think, oh, God only smiles when you're praying or you're singing or you're going to church. But I believe that God smiles when you use the gifts that he has given you. How many, I mean, there's parents in the room, probably parents, grandparents, maybe even um, aunties or uncles, right? And you can probably attest to this fact and this feeling that you get. When you have worked really hard and spent so much time and maybe even spent a lot of money and put so much effort into buying your kid or your grandkid or your niece or your nephew the perfect gift, right? You, you just, I mean, you have just agonized over it because you want them to love it. And then when they go and they open that gift and when they don't just toss it to the side and on to the next But when they actually open that gift and then they're like, right then they're like, can we like open it, open it? Like not just open it out of the bag, but like get it out of the box. Cause I want to play with it like right now. And then they actually like sit there and play with it right, right then. And and they use that gift that you've given them. There is no better feeling. I mean, you kind of walk out going like, I won. 
I won. All those presents, you guys, you suckers. Mine was the one. I won. You know, like I, they played with, I picked it. You, you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I know you do it. You're judging. You're like, you're watching when the kids are opening all the presents. You want to be the one that gets the gift that they, the kid really likes, right? You want to be that. Well, I think that God loves it when we do what he gifted us to do, what he created us to do, what he wired us to do. And when he sees us walking in that and using that gift and that talent and that ability and and producing all this fruit, man, that makes him smile. Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord, not man. Now, I feel like a lot of the people on this side of the room probably never seen this and don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll tell you about it later. Anybody ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? I mean, it's a, it's kind of a classic. It's a, it's a classic. I don't know. It's old. It's even older than me. So guys, don't think I'm that like old. I just, I know it because I'm cultured and I like look into that old stuff. Like I wasn't, I wasn't born back then, of course, obviously, but no, in the movie Chariots of Fire, it's, it's basically this movie. It's very inspirational and it's about an Olympic gold medal run runner. And, um, his name is Eric Liddell, Lydell. I'm not really sure, but, um, there's this great moment in the movie where this Olympic gold medal runner, he makes this statement and he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. You see, he was gifted to run. And when he used that gift, he was bringing glory to God. And when we use our gifts correctly and we bear much fruit, God gets the glory. And I don't know, I mean, everybody's gifted differently. My running does not bring God glory. I can assure you of that. (laughs) But there are other things that he has gifted me to do that when I do that, I think, God, look, I, I feel God's pleasure. I feel like, you know what? God is being glorified through me using this gift and this ability that he has given me. And that is an expression of worship. That's an expression of worship. So the third way I want to talk about how we can express our worship is probably the most common, and it's probably the one that you may have expected me to teach for 45 minutes on tonight, and I'm just now barely getting to it. Um, But that is we can express our worship through music and song. Through music and song, Carl's like, finally, man, goodness. Um, Did you know that singing is actually not just a suggestion in scripture? It is a command. It is a command. Let me show you a few scriptures where this command is issued. In 1 Chronicles 16, 23, it says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 717 says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praises to the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 30 verse four says, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Psalm 6832 says, sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord. That's just like five or six scriptures. I mean, there's a lot more. 
I won't stand here and read them all tonight, but there are so many times in the word where it tells us to sing to God. And I understand that some people don't sing to God because they feel like they don't have good voices. They don't sing because they feel like they don't have good voices. Let me free you up just a little bit here. Make a statement that will free you from that excuse. We don't sing to God because we are good singers. We sing because he is a good God. We do not sing because we are good singers. We sing because he is a good God. So don't worry about whether or not your singing is good enough for the worship team or for the radio. Those, that's not your audience. God is your audience and he loves to hear you sing. He does. I don't care if everybody else has told you how awful you are. I'm sorry. And, and, and there is, you know, there are good singers and bad singers on this world, but in God's ears, he just loves to hear his kids sing to him. He doesn't care about the quality. He wants that relationship. He wants you to sing to him. Not only do we express um, worship through music by singing, but also with instruments, with instruments. In 2 Samuel 6, 5, it says, Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of firwood, on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on a sistrum, and on cymbals. First Chronicles fifteen sixteen says, Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers accompanied by instruments of music, string instruments, harps, and cymbals by raising the voice of a resounding joy. We can express our worship through instruments. But you know what, guys? You don't have to learn how to play an instrument to express Worship to the Lord through song and music. I would, I mean, I love musicians and that can play instruments, but that's not the only way. God actually created us with built-in instruments of praise. You have an instrument strategically placed on the end of each of your arms. Psalm 47, one says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. We have been designed with percussion instruments in our bodies. We may not play an instrument up on the stage, but every individual has been equipped by God with instruments to express our worship. We have melodic instruments, our voices that we can use through singing and shouting God's praises. And then we have rhythm instruments, our hands and our feet. You guys, if you really get this, this is kind of cool, but we have a full-on band right here in our bodies. A full-on band. I mean, that's, that's kind of cool. So those of you who are like, I'm not musical, I don't play instruments. Yeah, you do. You do. We have a full-on band right here that God created in our bodies. So let's use the instruments that God has given us to express our worship and our praise to him. He created us with that so that we could bring him glory, so that we could express our worship. Another way we express our worship is by raising our hands. And I played that video earlier just because it was 
funny, right? It's funny. But scripture talks about expressing our worship through raising our hands. In Psalm 134.2, it says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lamentations 3.41 says, let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Even in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Another translation says, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. When Eliana was a little girl, tiny, before she could even talk, when she wanted me to pick her up, she would turn and face me and she would lift both her hands. Before she could even talk, she would just lift her hands. And I knew what that meant. So I like to think that when I am lifting my hands to God in worship, that I am signaling to him that I want to be picked up, that I need to be close to him, that I want him to hold me. Lifting our hands is such an expressive act of worship. It's saying we surrender to his will. It's like us, we're lifting our hands to symbolize lifting our lives as a sacrifice to God. Not only do we sing and shout and clap and lift our hands as expressions of worship to God through music and song, but bowing, bowing is also another Biblical expression of worship. In Psalm 95, 6, it says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Ephesians 3, 4 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Nehemiah 8, 6 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Hebrew word most often translated as worship is shakah, S-H-A-C-H-A-H. I don't know if I said that right, but I'm the one talking on the mic. So we're going to say shaka, okay? That simply means to bow. In the New Testament, one of the Greek words that was used for worship, and this is, I'm going to mess this one up even more, but it's proskunio or something like that. P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O, proskunio. And that actually means to prostrate yourself before. So any way you look at it, There is no getting away from the obvious that bowing is and will always be an essential expression of worship. You know, to me, I... I love that, just the picture that it gives when you bow before the Lord because it's basically my way of going, you know what, like... I'm humbling myself. Like you, we talked about putting God where he belongs, like putting him on the throne. Like I'm not worthy. I want to make myself so low because you are so high. I read um, a book about worship and they used an illustration um, of that movie or a musical 
the king and I, or Anna and the king, and there's a part in the movie where um, the king is like, you know, your head tells the lady, your head should never be above my head. Okay, because I'm the king and you're down, you know. And so he was kind of a turkey. So he kept getting lower and then she would have to get lower and then he would like sit down and then she would have to lay down. You know what I mean? Like he was just being a turkey, but that's actually a great picture for us of worship is that what we should be doing is getting down so low because we don't deserve to be on the level that he is on. We need, we need to humble ourselves and to bow Why bow? Why bow? Because citizens, subjects, and children alike all bow before the king. Even today, you know, in, in places where they still have kings and queens, if you are in the presence, you bow before the king. Well, you know what? We have the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when we bow, we're communicating honor and respect for the authority and majesty and lordship of God. That's why we bow. Bowing is such a powerful expression of our worship. Now, there are so many other ways to express your worship to God. So please don't get caught in, you know, all, you know, I gave you four or five or however many. There, there are a lot more, but we don't have time to hit all of them. I just wanted to kind of um, give, give you something that I thought could help you to understand. Some of you may be coming from different backgrounds. And, you know, when we worship and some of the things that we do here, you might go like, I don't understand why. So hopefully... I could bring a little clarity to that. Some of you, you grew up doing all those things, but you have no idea why, you know, or what they even mean. It's just like part of your, it, it's, it's part of your routine, I guess. Like that you just do it because that's what you've seen other people do. But it's so much more powerful when we understand what we're doing and we actually choose to do those things because we understand and we mean it with all our hearts. So let's just recap a little bit tonight. So first we talked about what is worship. And so I said that worship is number one, not just music or a song. Worship is more than music. It's more than a song. Number two, worship is an act and an attitude. Worship is an act and an attitude. And we actually defined worship as um, valuing or treasuring God above all things. Valuing or treasuring God above all things. Number three, what is worship? It is a lifestyle. We live a lifestyle of worship by choosing to submit and honoring God. That's how we live a lifestyle of worship. Number four, worship is a sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. True worship will cost you something. It is a sacrifice. And then we talked about how do we express our worship. And I said that some of the ways we can express our worship is number one, through obedience. If we want to show God we love him, then we need to keep his commands. The scripture tells us if we love him, we will obey him. So that's a way we can express our worship is through obedience. Number two, we express our worship by using our gifts and talents for his glory. Not just using our gifts and talents like so that we can get applause and for us. No, 
using our gifts and talents and producing fruit that will bring glory to God. That is a way that we can express our worship. And then the other one was through music and song. Whether we're singing and shouting, playing instruments, clapping, raising our hands, or bowing, these are all ways that we can express our worship to God through music and song. So I hope tonight that um, maybe some of you learned a few new things this week, or even if you knew all of it, maybe you were just challenged uh, to take your worship to a deeper level, to, to go more in depth with the Lord. And I'm really excited about next week. I'm going to be uh, trying to answer the questions why we worship and also what happens when we worship because some really cool things happen when we worship, guys. Really cool things. So I'm excited about next week and what I get to bring um, to you. And I hope you'll all come back and maybe even bring, if you see people here that aren't here tonight, bring them back um, for next week because I know that God wants to speak to us. But I just want um, the, the heart behind this, the heart behind this class and what we are doing is we want our church, we want the grace place to be a place filled with worshipers that worship God in spirit and in truth, that don't just sing the songs and go through the motion, but we live the life of worship. Man, If this place is filled with those kind of worshipers, true worshipers, the worshipers that God is looking for, if we fill this place with those type of worshipers, you guys, the atmosphere is going to change. The atmosphere, the lid will be lifted off of this place. Not just the atmosphere in this house, but the atmosphere in your house the atmosphere in your job, the atmosphere in your family, in your school. in the, When we begin to worship in spirit and truth, the atmosphere changes. And that is our heart and our desire to kind of give some depth to you guys and to challenge you and to encourage you to become the kind of worshipers that God is looking for, that worship him in spirit and in truth and bring a sacrifice of worship to him and live a lifestyle of worship. And so tonight I just want to pray and I'll let you guys go. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you um, for just allowing us to hear your word, God, and to be challenged. I just pray that every person that is here tonight, Lord, I pray that they will begin to not only just hear this teaching, but begin to walk out the principles of worship in their everyday lives. That they will begin to obey, that they will begin to submit, they will begin to honor you, they will begin to bring a sacrifice of praise to you, they will begin to express their worship through all these ways that you have given us to express our worship to you because you are worthy and you are great and you are deserving and we love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.